Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Let's say this together. This is God's written living word to me. What he thinks about me. It tells me who God says I am. And tells me what God says I have. Because it's how God thinks. I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore I am transformed. You know we're in a new series entitled Great Faith. This morning is number two and we're going to talk about how to develop strong faith. You know, as a reminder to everyone here, but somebody really needs to hear this, maybe some one or two people. I know that with such a subject, it's easy to say, I've heard those things before. But I want to remind you of what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, I intend to remind you constantly of these things, even though you know them and are well established in the truth that you now have. Indeed, as long as I am in this tabernacle, I consider it a right to stir you up by reminder. Mm. So don't ever get mad at me for preaching similar things over and over, a theme, certain themes and contextual parts of the Word of God over and over. It's what Peter did. It's what the apostles did. And it is necessary for us to hear them again. Why do we have this series? Why are we engaged in a series on faith? Well, because Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. God can be pleased. And I want to please Him. There are things that I do that do not please God, and He always lets me know. (laughs) But I don't want to wander around in my Christian walk wondering if I am pleasing to God. I want to be sure I am. And there is a way that we can absolutely know that we're pleasing to God. Last week, two keys that were absolutely at the center of all that we talked about. Number one, we're not trying to get faith. We already have it. God is interested in your success in using faith. And secondly, faith apprehends as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So that's part and parcel of the very aspect of the definition of faith. Last week, we spent the entire message giving you a definition of faith. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word there means title deed. It is a legal assurance that what God has promised is mine right now. The assurance of things for the evidence of things the proof the solid proof God's word becomes the proof of what I'm hoping and believing for during that time when I'm waiting for it to manifest oh you didn't hear me God's word I don't need anything else God's word becomes the proof it becomes the title deed during those Weeks, those days, those months, it could be years. There are Bible characters who waited for years to see the promise of God. The Word of God, the Scripture, is the title deed, it's the proof, it's the evidence that you need during that time where you're standing and you are believing for it to manifest. 
Now today, I want you to keep your eyes on the ball. Give me number one, Sam. I want you to keep your eyes on the ball. Now, of course, I know what you're quickly going to say. Well, Jesus is the one I'm to keep my eyes on, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus. But you need to read the rest of that verse. But fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. The message translation says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Jesus lived by faith. Jesus lived by faith. And you and I are to study how he did it. Yes, fix your eyes on him, but I want to say to you, you need to keep your eyes on the ball. How you interact with the trainer, could, could I be so, so uh, modern? Could I be so contemporary as to say that Jesus is our divine trainer? And that there's a ball we need to keep our eyes on as our trainer leads us through life? You see, how you interact with the trainer and the ball that he has provided will determine your ultimate success in the gym of life. Give me that next one. Stop right there. <laughs> I, I want you to interact with that for just a minute. How you interact with the trainer and the ball that he's provided will determine your ultimate success in this thing called life. It's like a gym. And you don't want to be any of those first people that we're looking at. And yet, regards to our, in regards to our faith, so many of us look just like this. <laughs> oh, Lord, another day of trying to serve you. Try, I'm just a hoping and a praying you'll come through for me today because, God, you know I have some really big needs in my life. Next one. Next. Here is where we're going. This is what you are going to look like at the end of this series on faith. And today we're going to talk about how to develop strong faith. Did you know that everyone has the measure of faith? Every believer has a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. For by grace, the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Another translation says, as God has apportioned to each a measure of faith. Some argue whether it's the word the or the word a. Those who preach it's the word the say there's a specific finite measure, the measure, that God has given to everyone. 
And those who don't like the word a measure of faith say, well, then that could be any kind of measure. He gives to one a measure and he gives another a different size measure. Well, no, because the scripture says that God is not a respecter of persons. So I'm fine with either translation using the word a measure of faith or the measure of faith because God's not a respecter of persons. Put it back up, please, Sam. Go to the next one. When you got born again, when you got born again, God gave you a measure of faith, the measure of faith. He's not a respecter of persons. You all start out with the same thing. Praise God, we got to go from there now and develop it. Your measure, get this, you may want to write it down. Your measure is the same measure that's been measured to all who have received the measure of faith. Well, nobody asked me to repeat that, so I'll just keep going. Your measure is the same. I'll do it anyway. Thank you, Doug, for that response. Your measure is the same measure that's been measured to all who have received the measure of faith. You see, it's up to you what you do with your measure of God-given faith. For example, you can cause your faith to grow. You can feed and exercise it. Please, Sam, watch number seven. So that during the storm, when storms of life come, you have strong faith. But another person might do nothing with their faith. The person who does nothing with their faith will have weak faith. It, it's like the scripture talks about hiding your faith under a napkin. Here, what we have illustrated for you is a person who cares about the gem of life and somebody who doesn't. You have, some, you have two individuals who were born with the same measure of faith, but now as they've begun their Christianity, one is tending to their faith and increasing it, and the other is just sort of gliding through life and letting things happen, and they're not developing their faith. Which one do you look like? Did you know that faith can grow? Did you know that faith can grow and that it's up to you? Okay, everybody listen to me. I'm going to give you the big one. I'm going to give you the big idea for the whole morning. You ready for it? Here's the big, I'm basing everything that I'm about to say on this one. And I want you to get it down. Couch potato faith will never enjoy Olympic-sized blessings. You have to decide which you're satisfied with. Are you satisfied with couch potato faith? Or are you pressing? Are you anxious? Are, are you stirred up in your spirit? Do you want more? Do you want what God has said you can have in his word? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love, of you the love you have for one another is increasing. The Bible is absolutely sure. It is absolutely, it speaks to this absolutely, with no holes barred, that faith the faith you've been given can grow into a different measure. All of you have the measure of faith. Thank God you're saved. You're, you're walking with Jesus. Jesus lives in your heart. Praise God. But so many of us are living way below 
what's promised in the Word of God. In our physical health, we're living way below what God has said we can. In our finances, we're living way below what God has said we can. In our marriages, our relationships, we're living way below what God has said we can have. And here's the deal. He doesn't force anything on us. Everything we get from God, we get by faith. Let me put it a different way. Because God's already given us, the scripture says, everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So there, there isn't anything you and I can do to get God to do anything. God's already given us every blessing. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But it requires faith to receive what God has given us and bring it into this natural world where we can live and enjoy it. We can live in the reality of the promise. It requires faith. And that's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the good news is this this morning. You can have Olympic-sized faith. You don't have to be a couch potato in your faith. Your faith can grow. Let me give you a few New Testament examples of the different levels of faith. You ready? Matthew chapter 14. Peter walks on the water. You remember that? Then he starts sinking and Jesus said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why was it little faith? Because he turned his eyes away from Jesus, started looking at the circumstances, and he was moved by the... Whenever you turn away from the word of God and you begin looking at your circumstances, your faith is going to diminish, not grow. In Matthew chapter 8, the centurion... You know this, right? There's a gentleman that came to uh, the centurion, excuse me, came to Jesus begging him, Lord, heal my servant. He's at home. He has a high fever and, and he's bound. He can't get out of bed. Heal him, please. Jesus said, sure, I'll, I'll come right now to your house and heal him. Here's what the centurion said. No, Jesus, you just stay right here. I don't need you to come to my house. You just stand here and speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus turned around, he looked at all of his disciples, and he said, Oh, my. I'm not sure of the Jewish word for that, but he said, Oh, my. I have not, you can read it, it's in Matthew 8. I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. This man understands great faith. Speak the word. I don't even have to be there, Jesus said. I don't personally have to lay hands on him. You speak the word, and my servant will be healed, Jesus, because you carry the authority in the realm of the Spirit to move mountains with your words. That's great faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Don't be weak in faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Abraham was strong in faith. You see, from these verses, we conclude that faith can either be weak or it can be strong. And Scripture makes it very clear that faith is measurable so it can grow you know faith is like a muscle everyone begins with some look at your neighbor look at your spouse I mean look at them real good don't not just their eyes look at their arms look at their <laughs> some of you are looking at their head you're about ready to call them something unkind don't do that just take a look at them and say, did you know faith is like a muscle? And I can see you 
began with some. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 1.3, we read it already, talks about growing faith. Acts chapter 6 verse 5 says that Stephen was full of faith. James chapter 2 verse 5 mentions that they had rich faith. James chapter 2 verse 22 speaks of perfect faith. Faith. First Timothy chapter one verse five speaks of unfeigned faith. First John chapter five verse four speaks of overcoming faith. Let me give you those again because some of you are filling in the blanks dutifully. There's growing faith. Stephen was full of faith. In James they had rich faith. In chapter two of James he speaks of perfect faith. I'll skip number five because I don't think I included it in your outline. But number six or five on your outline. In 1 John, it's spoken of as overcoming faith. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of faith. I want to have full, rich, overcoming faith that's perfected, that has me standing tall, that's able to reach out and take what God has promised and receive it as mine. I'm not happy to live in the status quo. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy with status quo. I just believe there's more. In fact, compared to the way that I see most Christians who claim to know Christ living, I'd have to tell you, there is a lot more than what I see when I look at how most Christians are living. And why? What is God playing a favorite? Has God blessed one Christian more than he's blessed another Christian? Absolutely not. He doesn't play favorites. So what's the difference between a believer who seems to walk in a great deal of blessing, and another believer, who in their life it's always raining. I mean, very little goes right, and it is almost always raining trouble. Any of you know somebody like that? I mean, somebody for whom it is always raining trouble. They can't seem to get ahead. Even when you help them and you bless them and you bring them along and then they go right back in. Why is that? Because they haven't developed their faith. Faith has to be developed. You can't stay in that babyhood stage of faith. You say, well, why doesn't, why doesn't God move upon them? Why doesn't God supernaturally move upon them and bring them along and change their circumstances and change their attitudes for them? And yeah, that would be called being a puppet. That, that would call God just removing out of you your will to choose and saying, okay, I'm going to control your attitudes. I'm going to control your blessings. I'm going to control everything in your life so that all you experience is good. You know, Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is the dividing line of the Bible. Everything that steals, kills, and destroys, I know who that comes from. And everything that's life and blessing, I know who that comes from. And he is not a respecter of persons. When I see one Christian blessed, when I see a brother or a sister walking with God and experiencing great blessing in their life, you know what that does? It makes me jealous. And I say to myself, well, if they can experience that, I can experience that. I'm going to press in and I'm going to learn some more things about faith. In fact, depending on my relationship to that person, I might call them up and take them to lunch. I've done it before. And just ask them. 
Hey, how'd you get where you are? How'd you learn to believe God for that level of finances? How'd you learn to believe God and develop your faith to believe Him for those kind of things that you have in your life? Why is your life in terms of your relationships going the way that it's going? You can grow your faith. F.F. Bosworth said, and I quote, Most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're so weak in faith. How can we grow our faith? You ready? How do you grow your faith? Well, I'm going to give you what everything hinges on now. Let's put it back up. Sam, couch potato faith will never enjoy Olympic-sized blessings. You first, got, first of all got to feed your faith. Look at it. It's up here on the screen. You've got to feed your faith. Sam? Faith has to be fed. It has to be exercised. That's how it grows, just like a muscle. If you don't do anything with your muscles that puts a demand on them and causes them to stress, they'll never grow. In fact, what happens to an individual who, uh, through circumstances, is forced to lie in bed for an extended period of time, maybe even the hospital, for weeks at a time? What happens to their muscles? There's a word for that. Atrophy. And, and what is atrophy? What, what happens? Give me a severe... Uh, maybe uh, somebody who's been in the hospital for a couple of months now and their muscles have atrophied, what might I see when they get out of bed? They can't walk. How's their appetite? None. Very diminished. Are they ready to run the race? <laughs> no, they don't feel like running a race. They feel like getting back in bed. How do they look? How's the texture of their skin? How's their smile? Skin <laughs> their skin. <laughs> skin and bone. Skin is wrapped around their bones even. It's just kind of, you know, you can, put, you can pull on it. You can see a lot of it. Yeah. Why? Because muscles have atrophied. Did you know that faith, even the supernatural faith gave you, that God gave you, the faith God gave you when you got saved will atrophy into the same kind of condition spiritually that we just described if you don't exercise it, if you don't use it, if you don't put a demand on it. Here's what Paul said, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why you must come to church regularly. This is why you must listen to sermon material on tape and CD and on the radio. This is why you must be around other believers and get involved in small groups. Why? Faith does not come by reading. Faith comes by hearing. There's a difference. You say, oh, pastor, I read my Bible every week. Wonderful, great discipline. But your faith will not increase by reading your Bible. Faith increases when you hear the Word of God. So we've talked about that in another series, how you need to spend time not reading for quantity, but reading for quality. Rather than reading five chapters 
or working your way through your Bible reading plan, which they're great, I believe in them, I've done them, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will draw you away from your Bible reading plan that has you reading a psalm, a Proverbs, a chapter in the New Testament, a chapter in the Old Testament. I mean, by my goodness, by the time you get done with that, what was your focus? Sometimes what the Holy Spirit will do is say, I want you to camp. I want you to camp right here in James chapter 1, the first five verses for the whole week because I want to talk to you. It's, see, it's when the Holy Spirit begins to talk to us about what we're reading that faith comes alive. It's when you go to church and you hear a pastor preach on James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, that faith begins to increase. It's when you're over there in the small group on Friday night or Saturday night or during the week and somebody says, you know what, God blessed me this, this week and, and I was in a circumstance where I was beginning to waver. But then I remembered James chapter 1 where James said, don't waver or else you'll receive nothing from God. But be bold when you ask. Be confident, believing you're going to receive when you ask. So I listened to that, I heard that, and I acted on it. And do you know what? God answered my prayer this week. I've been believing Him for weeks, in fact, for months now. But I got down and I stopped wavering, and I started believing His Word was true, and it worked. And this week I got my answer. Do you know what happens in you when you hear somebody share that with you? Doesn't your faith rise? See, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their, say it again. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word, the word, the, the what? The word of their testimony. I'm not interested in words that are full of doubt and unbelief and crying and moaning and oh, how bad a week you're having. Don't get around me. My ears aren't trash cans. I'm sure not interested in gossip and all the things that you want to critique and think that are wrong with life. I'm interested in people who will grab James chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 8. All these great chapters that deal with miracles and deal with how that Jesus came through during great times of stress and storm and trial. And he brought deliverance and he set them all up on a mountain and delivered their soul. I want to read about things like that because that's what God will do for me. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. If he's done it for you, he'll do it for me. And that's why I want to be around successful people who have developed their faith. They go to the life of the gym of life regularly. Their eyes are focused on the ball and they have Olympic-sized faith. So even choosing your church, listen to me. Dear ones, every church in this city won't work. Oh, I'm getting in trouble now. Listen, I, I don't want you to come here. I, this is not an, ad, an advertisement. I don't want you to come here. But listen to me. If you go to some church that's not life-giving, that doesn't know how to worship Jesus with, in life and, and joy, and then when the word is taught, they teach scripture from the Bible and it comes alive and they teach you how to stand on the word and believe the word. If you're not in that kind of church, get out. You don't need to hear death. You don't need to hear a social gospel. You need to be hearing and listening to the word of life. 
where do we go from here? Exercise your faith. Feed your faith. Exercise your faith. Sam's going to put it on the screen here. You see, God's grace gave you muscle. That's faith. And he provided you the gym. That's his word. Now what you look like is your choice. Let me see number. Let me see number 10 again. Yeah, come on. Come on. I asked Nina to take that over the week. It turned out pretty good, didn't it, hon? <laughs> you see, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. If your church isn't teaching, if the people you hang around aren't talking about and living and enjoying the word of faith, if the stuff you're listening to and the things you're reading don't talk about and aren't lifting up and telling you how to live by faith, you're not pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'll, I'll drop another one on you. This isn't my stuff. This is scripture. Paul said this, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Yeah. Not my statement. Paul said, whatsoever is, why? Because when you're not in faith, to not live in faith with every decision, to not live in faith in your relationships, to not live in faith with your finances, when you're writing your checks, to not live in faith with everything in your life means that you're submitting yourself to the circumstances of life where fear and doubt can consume and take over and your muscles are going to atrophy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. In the Good News translation, it says this. The scripture says, I spoke because I believed. In the same spirit of faith, we also speak because we believe. Let's get practical. Here's how you stretch your faith. You want to feed your faith, exercise your faith, stretch your faith. You know what? I can always tell when I get around somebody who is stretching their faith. You want to look at that picture there? You want to tell me? If you were around such a person, how you could tell they were drinking green uh, sprout juice, green energy smoothies, how would you know? Because it's all around their mouth. And that's how I know when fellow believers and Christians are walking and living in the word, I can tell by the things you say. You can tell when I'm depressed. You can tell when I'm down. You can tell when I'm not on the mountain. You can tell when I'm not walking and living in faith because I start spewing a bunch of stuff that isn't the faith smoothie that God wants you to have as you keep your eyes on the ball of faith. All right, how do you stretch your faith? Let me give you a couple things here. When they're suffering, you speak the word. That's the centurion. Remember, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. When they're suffering, I don't care where it's coming from, no matter where, where the suffering is, it is not from God. When there is suffering, do what the centurion did and speak the word to that suffering. Storms. You remember Peter? In the midst of the storm, Jesus invited him out of the boat, and Peter did what? He walked on the water. 
until he looked away, got his eyes off Jesus, and started looking at the waves in the storm. And so, how? What's the second way you stretch your faith? First, you speak the word. Secondly, you've got to keep your eyes on the word. Never take your eyes off the word. Number three, when there's confusion, when there's lack of direction, like the blind man in Mark chapter 10, he said, Rabbi, I want to see. So, Jesus said to him, okay, I'll heal you. And he laid his hands on him and he said, what do you see? And the blind man see, I said, I see tree, uh, men like trees walking. And Jesus prayed for him again. And he said, okay, now try it. He said, what do you see? And the blind man said, I can see. My sight is fully restored. Now, how many of you know Jesus could have healed him in the first stage? It doesn't take God's stages to heal somebody. So why in this example, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, did it take two stages for this man to receive his complete healing? Because God wanted him to use a principle of stretching your faith. It's the number three one. The first one, speak the word. The second one is keep your eyes on the word. But the third one is importunate the word. Importunate the word. What do I mean? The word importunate means to be troublesomely urgent, overly persistent in your request or your demand. We have a little Lhasa Apso, little female Lhasa Apso. Now, what we worked out many years ago, she's 14 now, but what, what we worked out when she was just a, a little pup was that we would feed her around, uh, oh, five or six in the morning, and then we would feed her about the same time in the evening, you know, around five, six o'clock. And then during the day, we'd give her a 10 o'clock treat, and we'd give her a two o'clock treat. And now, does anybody want to ask me, how's that been working for you? <laughs> how's that been working for you? Not very well. <laughs> And you know why? Because she is importunate. <laughs> Pastor Rod, that dog will come up at 1 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, at 2.30 after she got her 2 o'clock. <laughs> We're sitting in the chair trying to get work done, trying to study for this sermon. <laughs> <laughs> now she's so cute she's got such beautiful brown eyes how many of you know what happens now sometimes I'm, I, I, I just muster enough faith I muster enough God help me you know give, give me strength and I said no Layla go lay down okay. and she'll turn around and kind of walk off and like I just beat her up. I'm the meanest person in the world. I'm, 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 I'm dirt. I'm, I'm a worm. She'll go lay down. But more times than often, and by the way, once she's done that to me, if she doesn't get it from me, you know what she'll do? She'll walk off. She'll walk right around the wall because our offices are next to each other. She'll walk around the wall and into Nina's office and she'll start it with Nina. Chances are one of the two of us are going to get up and give her a treat. Which is why when a lasso normally weighs about 15 pounds, this one got up to 40. We have the same problem that we're talking about here this morning. She doesn't keep her eye on the ball, and her friends aren't helping her. 
Number four, provision. The woman begging for her little daughter to be healed. Jesus said, it's not meat that we would give the children's bread to dogs. You remember that scripture passage? And this woman, she didn't tuck her tail. She didn't haul, you know, crawl off in fear and doubt. She stood right there. She stayed there on her knees and spoke to Jesus, looked him right in the eyes and said, yes, but Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, woman, your faith has just healed your daughter. What are we talking about? Divine provision. How's it happen? You appeal to the character of God. Appeal to the character of his word. Number one, speak the word. Number two, keep your eyes on the word. Number three, be importunate with the word. Number four, appeal to the character of the word. God loves you. He's going to give you good things. Press in. Don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep asking. God will give it to you. And then we have the woman who had the issue of blood. You know how she had been sick for 12 years with an issue of blood, internal bleeding. She had gone to all the doctors in her town and had got, not gotten better. And then she heard about Jesus. And she said to herself, If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made well. And she got up. And she pressed through the crowd. You remember the story? I mean, there was a great crowd all around Jesus. You, you couldn't get through, but somehow she, she pressed through and she pushed people aside and, and she made her way through and she got to within arm's length and she reached and she touched the hem of his garment. And immediately something left Jesus' body. And he turned around and he said, Who touched me? And his disciples said, Are you mad? You see all of this crowd pressing on you and you ask who touched you? There's a dozen people right now all around you touching you and reaching for He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Someone just touched me with faith. There's a difference. Someone just touched me with faith. So number five, if you're going to stretch your faith, you're going to hear the word. So you're going to speak the word. You're going to keep your eyes on the word. You're going to be importunate with the word. You're going to appeal to the character of the word, and you're going to hear the word. Whether your faith grows, Sam number 12, whether your faith grows depends on your response to the circumstances and whether you'll apply the word of God and, and not sow the seed of doubt and unbelief. You've got to nurture your faith. Number 12, right here. Go back, number 12. Look at this. I don't know if you can see it very well, but over here on the right, the gentleman who's uh, downing the Big Mac and fries and obviously doesn't spend much time with his eyes on the ball, doesn't care about the kind of faith that he really uses. You really can't see this, but over here, on the inside of his stomach, he's got several workmen working. One's painting, One's up trying to correct problems. He's got rust on, the, on his inside. This, this guy is not healthy. We've got repairs going on. This guy's got issue. But now here, this guy, he keeps his eye on the ball. He's after Olympic kind of blessing. And so there's, there's just three guys in here. One is simply checking something that needs to be checked. Regular routine maintenance. All right? And he's in white. And the other two, they're looking at 
plans for expansion. And they're trying to figure out, well, now where are we going to go from here? And they're looking at new drawings of the next place that this man wants to go in his life, and they're mapping it out. Where are we going to go from here? Do you have the kind of faith this morning that says, you know what? Where are we going to go from here? Come on, God. Next big thing. Let's do it. Let's go. I'm on board with you. Or are you falling and crawling all over your ball, wondering when God is going to come through for you? You've got to nurture your faith according to your faith. No one climbs a ladder starting on the top rung. You see this here? Now, beloved, I realize that all of us are at different stages. And let's be honest. There might be a whole lot of us that are like the gentleman on this end of things right here. The gentleman who's not been nurturing his faith for a long time. You know what? God loves you the same He's not mad at you. He's not critical this morning. But he wants you to know there's more. And you don't have to stay there. And so here's what's important today. Are you willing to just get started? Are you willing to move from being here to the next place? Are you willing to move from where you're at to the next place? And keep running and keep working through the gym of life and keeping your eyes on the ball of faith as your divine trainer trains you. You see, couch potatoes will never realize and enjoy Olympic-size faith. Don't be like this young boy, Sam. <laughs> You have a choice. You can get this morning where you need to be, but it takes a decision. You're going to say, I am not happy with where I am. I'm going to tackle this thing, and I'm going to apply myself to these keys of increasing and growing my faith. Could we stand?